Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, this last week has been kind of crazy for all of us, I assume. We're in uncharted territories, and I'm sure whether you're working from home or still going to work, but you feel like your social life, your gym membership, some different things have been taken away from you, we're all figuring out the new norm. I know at our house, we're trying to figure out what we can do some evenings. We watched Frozen 2. I got to be honest, I think it was a little overrated and I wasn't really a fan. We've done some other things. We've had other movie nights. We made a TikTok. Uh, we've even had some some fun uh, going outside and, and doing yard work. But I'll tell you, something that has been huge for me over the last week, I've been going running outside at some of the metro parks that are close to my house. And what I've found is when I get bogged down in the things that I'm thinking about and my, my days, uh, it's good for me to get outside and have a fresh new perspective. And so my prayer is that this week, as we look at truth, as we look in God's word, that this will be kind of uh, just new perspective for us and a chance to have a breath of fresh air. So let's jump in uh, to this series that we have been in. It's week four of this series, Rockumentary, The Journey of Peter, a Disciple of Jesus. We've been looking at some snapshots in the life of Peter. He was not only a follower of Jesus, but one of the Jesus's disciples, one of the men who followed him closely and partnered with his ministry. And this series, as we've structured it, kind of plays out like a day in the life of Peter. These different moments are different parts of the day. So we talked about uh, Peter's moment that he first woke up and followed Jesus. We've talked about what will fuel our days. We've also asked the question, uh, who will we follow in difficult times or will we choose safety instead of Jesus? We've also asked, will we choose to remember what God has done for us as we look back and as we reflect. And even when the path isn't easy, will we choose to wake up again tomorrow or settle back in to sleepwalking in the life that we've known before? So if you've missed any of those previous messages the first couple of weeks, I would encourage you to go on our website and check those out or check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Well, I want to jump into this passage and look at this together. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke 22, Luke 22. We're going to be in verse 31, and there's a lot going on in this passage. Luke chapter 22, the ministry of Jesus is kind of ramped up over the last couple of years. It's at an all-time high. Uh, he's, he's well known, and yet some of the famous religious leaders are beginning to hate on him and want to kill him. And so they've actually approached Judas, one of his disciples, right before this passage that we're going to look at. This uh, passage is written at the time of the Jewish Passover, and so Jesus and his disciples are celebrating the Passover in what we now uh, refer to as the Last Supper. And so we're going to look at this passage here. This is an interaction that Peter has with Jesus during the Last Supper. It says this in verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. After this, Jesus knows 
that his arrest and his trial and his death are coming in the following hours. And so he spends some time in prayer preparing his heart. And eventually he is betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas, like we mentioned, and he's arrested. So we want to jump down after those things to verse 54. It says this. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus's followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Peter had been adamant that he would never abandon Jesus. Peter had said that he would never deny that he knew Jesus. But when Jesus was arrested and Peter runs away, he finally returns and kind of catches up to spy on this trial as it's happening. There's a charcoal fire that's burning in this moment. And Peter denies on three occasions that he knows Jesus. After the third denial, he and Jesus turn in this this area, this space, and they, they connect their, their glances, they, they lock eyes, and Peter looks directly at Jesus and remembers that Jesus had predicted this would happen. Now, I wasn't there. I, I don't know exactly how this would play out, but I picture this being like a movie, and in this moment when they catch each other's eyes, when they lock eyes, I, I picture that the music in the background kind of heightened, and it. it did one of those things where we're going, dun, dun, dun. I, I pictured that this moment was intense, that there was a lot of emotion going on behind this in the life and the mind of Peter, because in that moment, he was aware that he had let Jesus down. He was aware that he had failed. After this moment that he's arrested, Jesus is put on trial before Pilate, who eventually gives him a death sentence and, and turns him over to be crucified at the request of the people who are functioning like an angry mob, essentially. And Jesus is crucified on a cross. He's hung to die. His hands and feet are pierced. And I'm sure that many of you know exactly how that story unfolded. Jesus dies on the cross and his spirit is released. And after he's dead, the soldiers come and they pierce his side with a spear. He's taken off the cross and buried, as was the custom in those days, in a tomb and a stone is put in front of that tomb. And so a few days later, when Mary Magdalene, one of the people who followed Jesus, went to his tomb, she found that the stone had been rolled away and that Jesus was gone. Jesus later appears to Mary outside the tomb, and he also appears to the disciples and showed them his pierced body and the holes in his hands and feet. And a week later, he appeared to Thomas, one of his disciples. You may know him as Doubting Thomas because he wasn't there the first time and he had questions. And so Jesus, again, showed his hands and his feet and his scars were the answer to Thomas's doubts. It seems as though this story is unfolding and as Jesus has defeated death and been raised from the dead, the word is getting out and slowly people are seeing Jesus's plan they're seeing what was going to happen all along and hopefully they're catching on, except maybe not everybody's catching on. Here's the last interaction that appears in the book of John, another conversation and interaction that happens with Peter. 
Verse one of John 21 says this. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So much going on in this moment, so much emotion. You can almost picture this timeline and these events unfolding. It goes on here in verse 15, it says this, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. After Jesus resurrects and is raised from the dead, he appears to the apostles. He appears to his disciples on multiple occasions. And Peter has seen Jesus alive. Peter has eaten with Jesus in these moments, but it doesn't seem like he's completely back on team Jesus. It doesn't seem like he's really understanding and and valuing what has happened. There's still a disconnect. Maybe it's because he's confused. Maybe it's because he's hurt. Maybe he's scared, or maybe it's a little bit of all of the above. But on this occasion, we find that Peter has returned to his former way of life. He's back with his boat. He's back fishing, and he's back doing what he did as a fisherman before Jesus found him and before he came to follow Jesus as a disciple. And we're finding him in the exact same place that he was when this figurative day or this series began. In the passages we looked at in week one, Luke 5 and Matthew 4, he's back in his boat hoping to catch some fish. And so Jesus repeats the very same miracle that he did on that first week we talked about on that wake-up day. 
These men catch more fish than they can hold, and Peter seems to be reminded again of who Jesus is that he had followed for so long and why he was attracted to him, why he needed him, why he desired him in the first place. And so by the time Peter gets to the shore, Jesus has built a charcoal fire, just like the one that was burning the night Peter denied him. In fact, I find it interesting, these are the only two times that a charcoal fire is mentioned in all of Scripture. And I can't help but think that as Peter came to shore and Jesus was there cooking that meal, that the smell would take him back. There's some smells in my life that take me back to simpler times. Sometimes when I go camping and I, I, I smell the, the dew in the morning or I smell the, the old tent, it takes me back to camping with our family and our pop-up camper. Sometimes I, I, I'm reminded of the, the smells of when I used to go to church camp as a as a, a boy growing up, there are moments that a smell can take you back. And now Peter has been reminded of the power of Jesus through this miracle. And he's been reminded by the night that he denied Jesus by the smell of fire. And so as this interaction, as all this emotion, as all these thoughts are swirling, Jesus takes him aside and asks him three times, do you love me? He says, Peter, do you love me? Now, why would he put Peter through this? Why would he put him through this emotional turmoil? Why would he ask him to remember? It's because he wants Peter to realize what defines him. He and Jesus have had two different looks here in this moment, in this interaction, in this story, and and Peter has to decide which one of those looks will define him. Will it be the look that he had when he and Jesus caught each other's eyes right after he had denied Jesus and and he had that look of of embarrassment, that, that look of being ashamed, that look of failure? Or was it the look now as he looked into Jesus' eyes and, and Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus is reminding Peter that he has a job, he has a role, he has an identity and he has a leadership position to fill going forward in the kingdom of God. So I wanna ask you, what look this morning defines your life? What do you think of when you think of how Jesus looks at you? Do you think he's disappointed? Do you think he's let down? Or are you reminded of his love? We all have a choice to make and we have to choose to remember that Jesus has called us to something greater than ourselves, something greater than our own inadequacies and our own failure. We have to remember that Jesus is not just disappointed with us. We have to remember that his affection for us is not just dampened by our failures. We have to remember that Jesus is looking at us and he knows our identity, he knows our potential. This morning, as we watch this, we're being offered a wake-up call. So I want to ask, what moment will you choose to reflect on as you think back over your day, over your life, over this timeline? There have been some low points in my life, and I'm sure that's something that we have in common. We've all had low points. Some of us have gone through relational struggles. Some of us have gone through divorces. Some of us have, have had to put college on pause or, or maybe even failed out of college. Some of us have, have lost relationships. Some of us have been fired from jobs. Maybe you've even been let go from a job this week. There are many different reasons why we often feel disappointment and we feel like we're letting God down. And I want you to know that that's what we have in common today. All of us in some way, have felt like a letdown. All of us have felt like 
we're, we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. Maybe we feel like we, we, we've, we've let God down in some way. But as Peter thought over his day, this day that we're looking at, and as you look over your life, my prayer is that you'll know this. We can be defined by our failures or we can be defined by who we are in Jesus. And so I want to ask you, who are you in Jesus? The gospel tells us that over the timeline of, of humanity, the timeline of the Bible, this simple truth is the common thread of our story. We were created in the image of God to know God. We were created to, to be in relationship with God and to know his love. And in some small way, we all think that we know better than God. And when we act knowing that, that we're better than God or thinking we're better than God, that is sin and sin enters our lives and our hearts and sin separates us from God. And so there is a, a great canyon, a great chasm that separates us from God. And because of the sin in our lives, we don't deserve to be in relationship with him or know him. But God doesn't want us to be separated from him. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus, the same Jesus that we're talking about in this story, the same Jesus who came to this world. He, he knew that he came with a purpose. He knew that he came for a purpose. And so when he, when he was accused of wrong things, when he was accused of sin, he didn't go through that trial. He didn't go to the cross. He didn't give his life. He didn't have his hands and his feet pierced by nails. And he didn't sacrifice his life and, and give up his spirit because he deserved it. No, he gave up his spirit for you and for me. He gave his life because he wanted to pay the price and pay the price of our sin that separates us from God. And he wanted to close that gap. He wanted to build a bridge with his cross so that we could know God, so that we could know love, so that we could know hope, so that we could have that relationship restored and we could rest in God. It's this simple. God didn't want us to be separated from him and we're given an opportunity to repent. To repent just means to turn and to face the other way, to walk the other way. And so we've been walking after our own desires. We've been following ourselves and making ourselves into God and choosing our own sinful decisions. But when we realize that those decisions are wrong, we can turn and we can walk toward God. And, and God says that when we trust in Jesus, things change. See, the future and the penalty that we should have faced, the the, the whole price for that was paid by someone else and we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved by the grace of God and the gospel is all about who Jesus is and what he has done. It's not about who you are and what you've done. When we put our faith in Jesus and surrender our lives to him, we're made right with God. And that relationship that we were created to have with God is restored, not because of what we did, not because of what we deserve, but because of what Jesus has done and because we know him. We are able to experience ultimate healing when we know Jesus. So what does it look like to be defined by what Jesus has done? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. There's a, there's a magical tension there that we have to believe that with our mind, but we also have to speak that and live that out with our life and our heart and our actions. And when we make that decision to trust Jesus, to be defined by who he is and what he's done, our sins are erased, our past is erased and going forward, we get to define ourselves by what he's done on the cross. In fact, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 5 that says, this means that anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And so Jesus paid the price for our sins and we don't have to live for him. No, we get to live for him. 
We get to respond to his goodness. We get to respond to the fact that he gave his life for us by living our lives for him. And we're no longer defined by our sin, but we're defined by what Jesus did on the cross. Maybe you're hearing that for the first time this morning. Maybe you've heard that over the course of your life, but maybe at some point you would say, I turned from that. I ran from that. I've been defined by disappointment. I've been defined by running from God and by making mistakes in my own decisions. Maybe today is the first time that you've been told that you can be defined by who Jesus is and what he did. Maybe you've known that, but you're being reminded that you can be defined by who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. Maybe today is just a simple reminder that going forward, you're not defined by these feelings of anxiety. You're not defined by these feelings of inadequacy. You're not defined by anything that you have done. When you place your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus, you will know love and you will know relationship and you will know God, your father, just like you were created to. I wanna let you know that today you can make that decision. That decision is a prayer away. It's as simple as saying, God, I, I know that I'm far from you. I know that I don't deserve to know you, but I know that Jesus gave his life. And when I identify with him, when I put my trust in him, when I let him be the one who pays the price for my sins, I can know you and I can have relationship with you and I can have access to you and I can trust in you and I can walk with you. You can make that decision today and have a relationship with God to place your trust and your obedience in him. And going forward, you can be a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus is, is, is just as simple as any other relationship. When you have a relationship with someone, you spend time with them. And so as a follower of Jesus, it just means that you're going to want to, to be with Jesus because you know that no one will love you like he loves you. No one will, will shower you with love like he can. And so you'll want to spend time with him in prayer and in reading the Bible. You'll want to spend time in, in, in community with other believers, you're gonna wanna see how Jesus can change your character and see how he can change your behaviors. And most of all, you're gonna ask this question, what would Jesus do if he were me? Now there's a learning curve to that. Just like there's been a learning curve for all of us this week when we can't go get our haircut, when we can't go to the store, when we can't go to the gym, when we can't have social lives, we've had to say, who am I and what does this mean for me in this new era? As a Christ follower, you can say, what would Jesus do if he were me right now? Well, I wanna thank you for joining us today and I wanna let you know that if you made a decision to trust Jesus or if you'd like someone to talk to you about what it looks like to recommit your life to Jesus, we'd love for you to go to our website, movementcolumbus.com and just click on the contact tab and send us an email, send us a message on social media, let us know the decision that you've made and, and we wanna come alongside you in that. But I hope today that you were, you were encouraged to know that we can be defined by our failures or we can be defined by who we are in Jesus. My prayer is that we, as a movement of people finding their way back to God, as movement church are defined by who we are in Jesus and who we are in Jesus is loved. Movement Church, I wanna let you know that you are sent out to impact the world this week and that might look different. That might be through a digital format, that might be through social media, that might be through catching up with family, through FaceTime or, or, or being on Zoom calls with people that you work in. But my prayer is that you can be defined by who you are in Jesus as you, as you live out his love. Let me pray for us as we close. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this digital format and for technology and the ways that we can still gather as the church. We pray that this week you'll help us to operate in your love, to know that we are loved, to know that we are sent, and to know that you have changed our, our standing. Lord, you have changed who we are. You have redefined who we are. and You've given us a new identity because of what Jesus did on the cross. We pray that that will be our identity, that that will be who we are, and that we can live out of that identity. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. 
Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. 